0: Welcome. Welcome to The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by studying the Word of God and focusing on the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. Taking a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God, we can find their example. We may not be able to say it clearly, but we can find their example. Our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. In digging deeper into Scripture and taking it as it's written, not filtering it or watering it down, we find the church the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that and believe that, and you want more in your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus of Nazareth, you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can email us at theporch, lowercase one word, at FirefallTalkRadio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you will, on FirefallTalkRadio.com at the bottom of the homepage, there are ways to do so. If you need more information, just ask. We appreciate your support and encouragement to every one of you that do. And welcome, welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms where I hope you are subscribed so that you know when a new session of The Porch or anything else we do goes up. Thank you for being a part of The Porch. Thank you for being a part of this journey and for everything that we are doing to further the kingdom of God. If you need prayer or you want to pray for others in The Porch community, just contact us. We we care about you. Remember that. Don't forget that you may not be known by face. I may not even know your name. But if you listen, I pray for you, and the Lord knows who you are. We're also on Facebook. Instagram, and on formerly Twitter, known as X, dot com, we're there as well. Hook up with us. Let us know that you listen. Forgive me, little under the weather, pressing on, not giving up, not canceling the Bible study or adding anything else, starting out with praise reports and prayer requests as always. I'm going to ask for some aerial support before I get into the list that I have. A lot going on, don't need to go into detail, but if you understand spiritual warfare, you understand that right now it's pretty hot and heavy, and we, myself and my team, could use some aerial support, use some extra commitment to prayer and intercession, but let's praise him. Let's praise the Father, the God of all creation. I praise him for my home. I praise him for my lovely wife of 43 years. I almost got it wrong, but 43 years of marriage and 44 years or so together. I am blessed. Um, I'm blessed by my family, my sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, furry kids. Everything we have comes from him. I praise him for his protection that he offers us. He cares about us. He wants us to be protected. He gives us the ability to stay under his covering. I praise him for this ministry and each and every one of you. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to be anywhere else. I praise him for the dreams and the visions and everything he's been showing me about what's coming, about where we are. But I know, I know, I know how it all ends. I praise him for his healing virtues. To be able to praise him in everything, for everything. I praise him for the renewed spirit man, though my body may be doing what age does, my inner spirit man is strong and growing and getting better every day. I praise him for the signs of the times. He's giving us that he's ready to return. Well, he's almost ready. He hasn't stood up yet. The the command hasn't gone out. But he's giving us little blinking lights and telling us, hey, pay attention. Get ready. I'm coming back. Creation's groaning for the return of the king. So we praise him for the coming kingdom and the new Jerusalem. I want to pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper, those who love you. I pray for Israel. I pray for America. I pray for the nations that come under his command. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the martyrs, and those that are victims of injustice. For divine wholeness, health and healing, and me, my wife, my family, and each and every one of you, as we get back to our divine design, this is not how we were designed to be. Whether ancestry or our own choices or the world we live in, things have been done to us that wasn't his best for us. So I pray right now for healing for all who are sick, all who are dealing with injuries or disease or anything, whether natural or supernatural. I pray in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, be healed from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, from the inside out, to rise up, stand up, to dance and sing and shout without any hindrances. I pray for protection, that Psalm 91 covering I mentioned, to always be in place and for us to stay under the shadow of his wings. Pray for inspiration, for the Holy Spirit to guide us and to teach us and to speak to us. I pray for the remnant, that's us, to rise up, to wake up, to answer the call to action. For those who have been blessed to be a blessing, we unfortunately As a ministry, as a group, and everything under our banner, unfortunately, in this fallen world system, takes finances. So join with me in prayer for that to happen. Let's pray. Pray. If we come into agreement in prayer, if one can put a thousand to flight, our combined prayers should put entire armies of the enemy to flight. Faith-filled, world-shaking, supernatural prayers. I pray for protection and covering over each and every one of us. The enemy knows the time and is working accordingly while we need to push back and take a stand, and when having done all, to stand. I pray for us to become aggressive in our efforts against the schemes of the fallen, against the schemes of the enemy, confronting them with confidence and purpose and power, In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, for the kingdom of God, getting people saved, healed, and delivered. I pray for edification and encouragement. Some of us, some are really beat down right now. We've been discouraged. Things have happened to us, things sometimes we've done to ourselves. Rise up in the name of Jesus. Rise up. Be filled with encouragement. Be filled with his love be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we can take down the principalities that exalt exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, keeping people from seeing the gospel and seeing their need for Yeshua as Messiah. I pray for us to continue to operate efficiently in the calling, exposing the enemy, seeking the lost, helping the dying and those in bondage and destroying the works of the enemy. I pray over the technology and all that we have. Let this be a a word tonight that he once said and that you have ears to hear. So, Father, bless it. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Do whatever you want to do. Keep the enemy from us. Clear our minds and our hearts. Let us receive, be empowered, be filled with you. And I pray all these things. In Yeshua's name, and if you agree with me, say amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Ah, okay, somebody just let me know that the sound died when I just got it back. Can you tell me the last thing you heard? Unfreaking believable! Can somebody tell me when the last thing was you heard? Okay. What? Well, well, okay. So the last thing you heard was the sound of the shofar. I would expect. Is that correct? I'm working on it, folks. Of course, I'll be able to edit this out for those of you that aren't listening live, but I want to get it right for those that are live. I will go back to where the last thing you heard. Ah, thank you. Okay. I guess we're going back to the beginning of this Bible study. Thank you for letting me know that. All right. Here we go. You've heard the disclaimer. I've been going on now for 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes, maybe more. But we're going to back up here for all of you that are listening live. My apologies. Not sure what happened. I was watching and it was working and then suddenly it wasn't. All right. Let's go to Bethany. We're going to rewind here. Let's go to Bethany. Bethany, in the Bible, Home and Bible Dictionary says, known primarily in the Gospels as the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Ancient Bethany occupied an important place in the life of Yeshua. The Lord often found himself staying in Bethany at the home of his closest friends as he ministered in Jerusalem. It's located on the Mount of Olives, the eastern slope, and about 2 miles southeast of jerusalem according to john 11:18 bethany became the final stop before jerusalem just off the east, main east-west road coming from jericho at the because it was at the foot of the mountains people could not see jerusalem thus giving bethany a sense of seclusion and quietness the road between bethany and jerusalem was a ready avenue for travel across all of that. And the journey took about 55 minutes to walk. It's very famous for the tomb of Lazarus. Today, Bethany is called, it's, uh, the modern name is Al-Zaria, Arabic for the place of Lazarus. Some believe it was more of a subdivision of Jerusalem rather than an entire town. The edges of Bethany reached the Mount of Olives and bordered Bethpage, another suburb of Jerusalem. The name Bethany is translated by some to mean house of figs, as there are many fig trees and palms in the area, and we'll see how that correlates scripturally. On the other hand, some translated as the house of misery, believing that Bethany was a designated place for those who had contagious diseases, and we've already said it was an important place of his ministry. It's where he left to go to heaven. Acts one nineteen through 12 says Yeshua ascended back to heaven from the Mount of Olives. Luke stating it happened around Bethany. And um, we see it also in Luke 24, 50 through 53. And he led them as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he parted with them and carried it, was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. The story of him cursing the fig tree happened on his way to Bethany. Matthew 21, verse 17 through 22. And then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned to the cities, returning back to Jerusalem, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Well, immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? And Yeshua answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, And do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. It's the place where he began his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Luke 19, verse 29, And it came to pass, that when he drew near Bethpage and Bethany, At the mountain called Olivet, he sent his two disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite where you are and enter and find a colt tied, which no one has ever sat. Loose it, bring it here. And if anyone asks, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord needs it. So they were sent their way and found it just as he had said. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to him, Why are you loosing the colt? and they said the lord has need of him then they brought him to yeshua and they threw their own clothes on the colt and set yeshua on him and as he went many spread their clothes on the road then as he now drawing near the descent of the mount of olives the whole multitude of the disciples began rejoicing praising god with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen saying blessed blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord? Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. So the three actually well-known residents of Bethany: Simon the leper, Lazarus, and his sisters, Martha and Mary. That's four. I'm sorry, math doesn't was never my good thing. Simon the leper, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. So we're going to focus on the two sisters, Mary and Martha. So go with me to Luke chapter ten. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Yeshua's feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. A little audacious, don't you think, Martha?" And Yeshua answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. Martha was too occupied, too busy, distracted by her serving, by her efforts to serve him, and she was upset that her sister wasn't helping her. Tell her to help me. Lend a hand. Do her part. Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Martha, Martha, there's only one thing and Mary has chosen the good thing, the good portion which shall not be taken away from her. Now he could have chastised her, he could have gotten upset, but when he says, Martha, Martha, there's a tenderness in his reply. My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all the details. How many times in ministry we do that? We get worried over the details. We get caught up in service. We forget about him. So Mary's a silent example. She said nothing. She doesn't even defend herself to his sisters. But what she did was devoting herself to Yeshua's teaching by basking in his presence, sitting at his feet. I not only admire that, I desire that. And you know, what we learn from the Gospels is that Mary and Martha were either unmarried or recently widowed, and I I kind of lean towards the unmarried. That just seems to be what I get from it. And this is a huge departure from the typical Jewish women of that time, but the women they also seem to be wealthy. They're living independently. The supporting issue is ministry. And his, their brother, Lazarus, has a very special, more than likely expensive burial site. That's pretty rare. So Luke is focusing on the contrast between the two women. Mary sitting at his feet in a position of a disciple. She wants to learn. She wants to be near him. And we know that sitting at the feet is something that they would do. Acts 22.3, Paul talks about sitting at the feet of Gamaliel to learn the law. Rabbis didn't usually have female disciples. That was frowned upon. Now, hospitality is highly valued, and she's preparing a big dinner. She's fulfilling the expected role of the hostess of a woman, and she's frustrated that Mary doesn't see it the same way. And in Yeshua defending Mary, that's pretty shocking probably to the men in that house because women were expected to serve domestically, and they were forbidden to learn as a disciple from a rabbi, and Yeshua is validating Mary's disciple desire to be his disciple. Now we can, we don't want to throw Martha completely under the bus. She did receive him according to Luke ten thirty eight. She did want to serve him according according to Luke ten forty. In John twelve two, she's making him a supper. So. She did do that. She's the first one now when he comes to Lazarus' tomb to greet him, John 11:20. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Yeshua was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. She had faith in him, believing, said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So she knows who he is. She believes in the resurrection and eternal life. When he says i am when she's, Yeshua says, "Your brother will rise again," she says, "I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day." And Yeshua says, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this?" And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Now, she's only one of two people in the New Testament to confess Yeshua to be the Messiah, Messiah and the Son of God, the other being Peter. So she's got some of it together. Her heart is right, but her focus is wrong. She's distracted. She's drawn away from the important thing. She's overcharged with care. She's so committed to what she's doing, she forgets what's important. And I've seen that in congregations that we've been in. And that's why those people get burned out. They, they get so caught up. I have to do, I have to do. You know, I can't just do nothing. I can't just sit here. And I'm, suppo- I'm supposed to help. I'm supposed to be a part of service and ministry. And my attitude about that is unless the Spirit tells you you don't do that because if he doesn't motivate you, if he's not in it, you will suffer from your choice, whether emotionally, mentally, or physically. Our focus should always be on him. Luke twenty-one thirty-four. Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, that the day come upon you unexpectedly. Verse thirty-six of Luke twenty-one. Watch. Therefore, pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. We can be so busy serving Him that we're not focused on Him and we're not focused on His return, which is what the book of Acts taught us was their focus. We are to be building His kingdom not our kingdom, not some other person's kingdom. His kingdom come, his will be done. And though the events of the end times may not have come to pass in a very long time, we should always, as believers, be looking for their arrival. The day of the Lord's return shall not, should not take us by surprise. We should live like they did, as if it was imminent, one eye on the on the job and one eye on the sky. That's what we should be doing and I've heard so many teachers and preachers and and oh, I, I gotta be careful, get very frustrated. Oh, stop concentrating on, on getting out of here or the rapture or the second coming. Focus on the here and now. No, that's not what he said. That's not what they did. And I don't think we should be so focused on getting out of here that we don't fulfill the Great Commission. But I think we should be looking for his coming. We should be desiring his appearance. John seemed to think so, First John chapter 2 verses twenty six through twenty eight Oh, got some crazy technology going on. I set things so that it wouldn't change my monitor, and it just did. Come on <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going folks. oh now i can't I can barely see my writing because my monitor darkened everything. I specifically told it not to do this. Thank you, ha. Huh. <laughs> First John chapter 2, verse 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, like the people I mentioned before. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as he has taught you you, as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Abide in Him, knowing that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life, knowing that your sins have been marked clean, marked out, can't be seen by the blood. Abide in Him to know His will and choose the better thing to make the right choice, to make the choice that Mary made. We must be abiding in Him. John 15, verses 4 and 5. Red letters, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear a fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him. Bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. How can you do ministry? How can you do, lay hands on the sick? How can you cast out demons if you're not abiding in Him? Matthew 7 was that 23 through 28? People say, Well, we cast out demons, we prophesied, we did all these things in your name, and He looks at them and says, But I never knew you. Abide. Continue, dwell, endure, stand, tarry. Abiding leads to obedience. Obedience stems from love and adoration, not from obligation. Now, soon after the resurrection of Lazarus, the family invited Yeshua for a celebratory meal. And Mary... In her love and gratitude, chooses publicly right then and there to express her gratitude. Go with me to John 12, verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Yeshua came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Yeshua, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for three hundred denarii given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was in it. John obviously has a little problem with Lazarus beside the the betrayal, but his betrayal of Lazarus is pretty harsh. And Yeshua said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial, for the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. We see the same story told a little differently, and it's important that we see it in Mark chapter 14, starting verse 3, while Yeshua was in Bethany, sitting at the table in the home of Simon the leper. So now we get the sense, okay, he's in Bethany, Martha's cooking and serving him, but they're in Simon the leper's home. Are you getting the picture? A woman arrived with an alabaster jar, of very expensive perfume made from pure nard. She broke open the jar, poured the perfume, this they say on his head, but some believe that that is a mistake in the translation. Irritated. This irritated some who were there, and they asked one another, why was this perfume wasted like this? This perfume could have been sold for more than 300 denarii, and the money given to the destitute. So they got extremely angry with her. So the picture is tying the two together. Mary's cook, Martha's cooking the food. Lazarus is there. They're in the house of Simon the leper. They're in Bethany. Mary shows up, and she anoints Yeshua for burial. And again, he says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me because you always have the destitute with you and can help them whatever you want, but you won't always have me. She has done what she could. She poured perfume on my body in preparation for my burial. burial. I tell all of you with certainty, whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told as a memorial to her. Now the interesting note here that I'm just offering as a point of teaching is that he rebukes Judas in Luke 12. and we see in Mark 14:10, right after all of this takes place, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray them betray, to, to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Judas. Not only is he a little angry about being publicly embarrassed, he's probably jealous too. Very interesting when you start to tie it all together. Now Simon the leper, whose house they were in, some believe, and I'm looking to confirm it, but I saw it in a lot of commentaries, that he is the father of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, which would make sense why Martha knows what she was capable of cause she has already seen a miracle. Some connect him to the Pharisee in luke seven thirty six a similar story about the woman who Breaks the jar on his feet, wipes it with her hair and her tears. Now, there's some discrepancies, and I can't corroborate that. But in my studying today, I saw a similarity that I think it is all tied together. But the oil in that alabaster jar was incredibly valuable. A denarius was the average day's wage for a laborer. 300 denarii was a year's wages. Was that extravagant? Yes. Yes but sometimes love demands an act of extravagance. Let's go back to the tomb of Lazarus. We're doing a little traveling. We're we're doing a little uh, history traveling. Now, Martha's interaction with the Lord was on point. Everything she said was true and it was accurate, but Mary's is much more personal, much more intimate, worshipful. John eleven twenty eight. 28, When she had said these things, she being Martha, she went her way and secretly told Mary her sister, saying, The teacher, Rabbi, has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Yeshua had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews the professional mourners the who always showed up at these things to the cry and weep and moan and groan, who were with her in the house and comforting her. When they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. And then when Mary came to where Yeshua was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, I don't know if you had been here. My brother would not have died. Therefore, when Yeshua saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned and the spirit was troubled. And I believe that that moment he was troubled. He was upset. He was angry about what had sin, and sin had done to the creation, what, what Hasidun had done. Hasatan had done, excuse me, I'm having a hard time talking, to his children. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Yeshua wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. Some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? And then Yeshua again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Yeshua said, take away the stone." Now Martha, the sister of him who was dead, Martha being Martha, points out the obvious, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he's been dead four days. And I always refer to the fact that medically, on the fourth day, your body begins to decompose. The, The gases begin to build up in your body to the point that the skin begins to split and stuff begins to ooze out. Your tendons are snapping. Things are turning to mush because the blood is no longer flowing. The electrical uh, stimulus, the life in the blood, is no longer stimulating the cells. On the fourth day, when that new cell is about to be replaced, the old cells live for three days. And then on the fourth day, on the assembly line, the new cell comes up, but no new cells are coming up. He's been dead four days. And Yeshua said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from that place where the dead man, where Lazarus was lying. And Yeshua lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried. With a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Yeshua said to them, loose him and let him go. You know, we're like that. When we get born again, when we come out of the tomb of our sinful life, we're bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and our face is wrapped and we can't see clearly. But in turning to him, Yeshua says, loose him and let him go. Now I want to give you a little warning here. Making the right choice and choosing the good part, the better part, what Mary did, intimacy, worship, the fullness of the Lord and who he is. It will bring the enemy's gaze in your direction. Because right after this, John 11:45, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Yeshua did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Yeshua did. Then the chief priests and Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs, what they mean, the signs of the Messiah. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. My goodness, Pharisees, you've been waiting for him all these years, and here he is, and you're worried about Rome? taking away your place and your nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Right there, anyone wants to tell you that, you know, they were both in on it. Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Romans. Because even though Caiaphas said that, Punctius Pilate could have said no, but he didn't. Now, not everyone who sees the Lord working in your life and your worship of him will be your friends. Mary's friends, who saw that, were not moved by it. They went and told the Pharisees what had happened. There are going to be people that are just not going to get it. They may attack you. They may try to tell you that it's wrong, you you know, you're you're not of him or whatever. I heard it. heard it all from both unsaved and saved. You have to block out the noise and focus on him. You keep your mind and your heart on him. John 12, 9 through 11 now a great many of the Jews knew that Yeshua was there. This is that uh, meal with uh, Simon the leper's house. And they came not only for Jews, for Yeshua's sake, but that they might see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death, also. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Yeshua. Religion doesn't want to see the kind of relationship you have with the Lord. And they'd rather ostracize you and cancel you rather than to point to you and say, this is what we should all be like. So don't be surprised if people that you care about reject you and your beliefs the world's never going to understand we know that the lord said that but understand if they rejected him they're going to reject you matthew 10:24 and 25 a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master is it enough it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master if they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household John fifteen eighteen through 21 if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word they will keep yours also but all these things they will do all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me persecution is coming to the western church to the church in America to the church in the civilized nations we've been too comfortable for too long The only way you're going to make it, beside having the focus that Mary had, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, John 16:7. it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the parakletos, he will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, what a battle tonight has been. Praise the Lord. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I love this part. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. Why? Because you don't have the Holy Spirit. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine, of what is mine, and declare it to you, all things that the Father has on mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. You can't do this. You can't walk this walk. You can't serve him without the Holy Spirit doing that for you. You will act of your own accord. You'll think you're doing good things, but you're not doing God things. The gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, they work together to glorify the Lord and further the kingdom of God. It was beneficial to us that the Lord sent back the Holy Spirit to walk with us and to help us do this. What we do must glorify Him, and it must be an act of love and worship. And I don't know why I always got that. I always did. And I say part of that was because I know who I was. I know what I had done. I I can't explain to you that from the minute I became born again, I was passionate about the Lord. But the question comes, are you Martha or are you Mary? What choice will you make? Martha was so busy in her service to the Lord, That she neglected the spiritual devotion that was needed and having eyes to see what was important in life. I've met so many Marthas. They're being about church business, but they're not about his business. Mary, she chose to be at his feet, learning, worshiping, soaking in his presence. That's all. I've ever desired in my walk with him. The cares of this world, everything that we have to do are such a distraction. When I pray for the blessings every day to do what I've been called to do, what I'm praying for is the freedom to not be encumbered by this fallen world system, be hindered by the enemy using finances or any of those things, that if he says, go, I can go. If you're ministering to somebody long distance as I'm doing right now, to be able to get on a plane, rent an Airbnb, stay for a week or a month, however long it takes to have Bible studies and ministry and fellowship and breaking bread. Choose the good part. Choose the better part. That's my call for you tonight. Make the right choice in your life right now, spiritually with the Lord, you may say, Richard, I don't know all these things. I can't do these things, the way you rattle off scripture and and the, the information that you have in your head. So what? What has that got to do with falling in love with the Lord? Those things will come. Remember I said to you how passionate I am, spending time with him, listening to him, studying the word, wanting to, that's where that came from that passion, to make the right choice. All I want is him. I don't want religion. I don't want denominations. I don't want a man or a woman, a teacher, a preacher. I don't want that. I just want Yeshua. I want the fullness thereof. So when it's all done, he can look at me and say, Welcome home, son. Good job. And wrap his arms around my neck and hug me the way I hug my sons. Lord, we want you here and now tonight. You allowed this technical problem to happen. I'm not sure why. Maybe somebody needed to hear that other part twice. Because that's what the recording will be. The recording will be twice, I'm assuming. We'll see. Doesn't matter. I don't think I'm going to edit. I'm going to leave it the way you allowed it. Forgive me if I have a hard time talking. I'm a leaking, blubbering mess, right? Because I want you to have this. I want you to know this. In the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of everything going on in your life, and the and maybe your world's collapsing around you, and maybe all these things are happening to you, but inside of you is a spirit that connects you directly to him in the throne room. That you, like Mary, can sit at his feet. Lord, please minister to my brothers and sisters. Take away everything that hinders them from having this, the wounds, everything has been said to them by, by authority figures, parents or whoever. Take away the scar tissue on their heart and their ears And let them have you, all of you, pour it out upon them. Let it soak into them, that loving presence, so that they know you. The way Mary did, and she wasn't born again. She wasn't filled with the Spirit, but she had it. She got it. How much more can we have it and get it? Send your angels, Lord, to protect us from this fallen world that will steal this from us, to steal the word that came tonight. Glorify yourself, Lord, and let us go do this. Let us go make others feel like this and know you like this, and let's shake this world one last time before you come back. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, may Aronai Yeshua HaMashiach lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Gunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.